welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen, and joining me back in the studio today is Crystal Bonham. Crystal is a senior communications advisor to the president's office here at the Heritage Foundation. And Crystal, it's been a minute since we've had you on the show. It's really good to have you back. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anytime. Well, I think we usually start the show, and it's upbeat, and it's fun, and then we have to move into heavier topics, and we're almost doing a little bit in reverse this week, where we're going to have both some some serious, but also some lighthearted conversation here in a second. But we have to take a minute here at the top of the show just to acknowledge what is happening in our world and the fact that Israel is now at war with Hamas. Mm -hmm. And I was on a retreat over the weekend at a lake. It was this beautiful, scenic place, and woke up Saturday morning to the news of rockets had been launched at Israel and hundreds of people had died and for one I think it's a reminder of just how fast things can change how in in so many ways you know we just we never know right we never know what today what tomorrow will hold and is really it's just been really sobering this week we're hearing reports of just major major atrocities being carried out by Hamas on on the Israeli people Mm -hmm. Really the worst of the worst. Like the worst of the worst. Unimaginable. Yeah. I mean, even Saturday, like you mentioned, you were out at a retreat. I was out at Harper's Ferry, like mm. just enjoying the day. And you just see these chaotic, confusing headlines coming out and the yeah. coverage. And it's just, I mean, what has escalated between Saturday and today, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It, it, it just is a reminder that we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, and I think it it's so important to, at these moments in history, to remind ourselves why does America back Israel in the way that it does? Mm-hmm. Why do we have such a fierce commitment to Israel? And, you know, on there's there's multiple reasons why it's neat that America was actually the first country to recognize Israel as its own state right after it declared independence in 1948. America was the first nation to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel in 2017 under former President Donald Trump. We share a lot of values with Israel, values for democracy and economic freedom, for for security. And Israel is our closest partner and friend in the Middle East by far. Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. have many friends in the Middle East. And to have that to have that strategic relationship is really, really significant. And then I think there's also, you know, for so many of our listeners who come from Christian backgrounds, they understand and recognize the fact that as, as there's a biblical there's element a biblical here too. Element, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and the the Bible is very clear that God will bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel, and that they are God's chosen people, even though time and time again, yeah. <laughs> which if we're being honest, right, just makes this entire situation that much harder to digest. Yeah. It's like these it are is. these are God's people. Yeah, how can this happen? Exactly. Again, again, again. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and so we are we're standing with Israel here at the Heritage Foundation at the Daily Signal at Problematic Women. We are praying for the people of Israel for release of those who have been taken hostage, and and just continuing to to know that okay, as Americans, we're going to stand with Israel. We're going to pray for Israel. And know that this is not the end of the story for Israel. And um, I'm so excited that today, shifting gears a, a little bit, we we have a neat conversation that 
is a little bit lighter. And I do want to clarify that we had this conversation with Ellen Troxclair, who's just amazing, at the end of last week because she was only in the building for a very short period of time. So if you're wondering, why aren't they talking about Israel? Because this is why. This is why. (laughs) (laughs) But we are diving into her amazing story. We're getting some insightful advice from her. Ellen Troxclair, she serves in the Texas State House. She is a mom. She's a wife. She's a book author, a real estate guru. She just has this really interesting past. And so we're picking her brain on all things career, real estate, motherhood. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our conversation. But quick reminder, every week on Problematic Women, we sort the news to find the stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's go ahead and bring in Ellen. such a treat today. Not only is Crystal in studio with us, but we also have the one and only Ellen Troxclair with us today. She is a mother, a wife, an author, a real estate guru, and a member of the Texas House of Representatives. We're so honored to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. I am here. so excited to chat with you ladies. <laughs> well, this is fun because um, we get to talk about your background, your work, in uh, the Texas House, you're an author, you're a small business owner, and I'm so excited to pick your brain on so many different things. But I know you and Crystal have known each other for a little while. How did you all first meet? We have. I guess we first met at Texas Public Policy Foundation. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we're doing, we, we, we do, did good things in Texas together, and now I'm so glad that she's here at Heritage uh, continuing the good work. Yeah, well, we're really glad to have her. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're a lifelong Texan, correct? That is, that's correct. I did a, a short stint in California growing up three years as my okay. dad's job was transferred, but uh, more or less uh, fully in Texas. Full so that's Texan. where you learned how not to govern. No, exactly. <laughs> no, Can it's True. And even even my parents, like it was an eye opening experience for my parents because they were they were Republicans, but I wouldn't say that they were conservative. And then they they moved to California and they were like, oh, my gosh, we can't afford anything. Like we can't afford we can barely afford a house like milk is so expensive. We got to get back to Texas. So we we only lasted a short time there in part because the cost of living was just astronomical and we couldn't we couldn't keep up. So totally insane. Where did you go to college? Uh, University of Texas. Go Longhorns. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, We're having a great football season this year. Yeah, so yeah, hopefully yeah, we've been, oh, been a strong. <laughs> we've, been, we've been waiting for a while to come back. <laughs> Has it been rough for a while? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you someone can say that, that doesn't follow college or, well, I follow a little bit of college, but I definitely don't specifically follow Texas football. So, Well, uh, you're welcome to join us. It's fun fan base. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a cult. So yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you haven't noticed, Dr. Roberts, his office Three quarters of it is painted burnt orange. So that's it's a thing. That's that's great. <laughs> I love it. And where did you meet your husband, Ellen? Uh, we met actually working at the Texas Capitol. Uh, I was an intern for, uh, at the time, State Representative Phil King. And I was a sophomore at UT. I wow. thought, wow, I'm going to go see if I can get an internship at this 
really cool building. I had never really been politically inclined, but uh, it seemed like a great opportunity. And then about six months later in that same office, uh, my husband Caleb was hired to be the legislative aide for that Mm. upcoming session. And so we just hit it off and we're great friends for uh, several years before, you know, before anything romantic happened. But uh, so we, we, we formed a great friendship and bond over uh, shared conservative ideals. Yes. And, um, and it was interesting as a, as a 20 something kind of thinking at the time I, I had dated other, other guys who, who didn't share mm-hmm. kind of my values. And it's like, as you get further into a relationship, you realize, well, how is this going to work if we don't have that shared foundation of how we want to raise our children, um, our faith, you know? And and so it was so nice that uh, Caleb and I immediately were just um, ha- had had that great foundation to work from, and uh, yeah, I guess 14, 14 years later, oh my goodness. we're uh, ha- awesome. happier than ever, and three little kids, uh, seven to seven to four. So wow. Jeez. So cool. And you're Chaos. getting to raise kids now. Yes. In that, in that context of having shared values. That's so special. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Wow. That's really, really cool. Now, I, I do want to take a minute and talk a little bit about your your business sure. and your journey in the field of business before we get into your, your political journey. Because um, that just really fascinates me. I, I think as women, increasingly, I feel like so many women are starting small businesses. They're getting into that space. Your small business is specifically around real estate, correct? That's right. Okay. That's right. How did you get involved in real estate? Well, honestly, I mean, in part because I needed a second stream of income to, to, bought to pay our property taxes. Uh, we had just bought our, we had just gotten married. We had just bought our first house. Um, uh, you know, we were both working. I, I, Caleb was going to law school at night. I mean, we were mm. both just working our tails off to try to make ends meet. And and I knew that I wasn't, we weren't going to be able to afford the crazy property tax increases that we were dealing with. And wow. so I, at night, I, I got my um, license, you know, online after, after hours. And um, it was just a way for us to kind of like f- fill the gap as we were young and upcoming in our careers. Yeah, so cool. Well, so speaking as someone who is just starting that journey of wanting to buy a house, getting approval, all of that, what's your advice for uh, specifically for young women who have an interest in the real estate field and they're like, I want to own something, whether it's investment properties or just owning their own home for the first time, what are the first like one or two things that everyone should do? Oh, well, gosh, uh, I, I would say first, find a trusted real estate guide who uh, who, who can give you great advice because yeah. it's really, um, it's a lot more than just opening, you know, a door. If somebody, if somebody is really good at what they do and they've had a, a little bit of experience, they can um, get you a great deal. And I'm, I fully, I'm so grateful that we bought when we did because over the long term, just owning, owning real estate is, um, yeah, a great way to invest, a great way to start to start building uh, your future and your family and all that. Um, and second, of course, get pre-approved. You got to talk to a lender, make sure you have a good handle on mm-hmm. what you can afford, a good handle on what your property tax increases are going to be yes. over time, you know. Um, and so just just planning for that. But, it, you know, I, I do really credit my my side hustle. It was a side hustle um, at the time because I was working with these clients who were similar age to me, but they too were thinking, well, I mean, I had a a girl under contract and she was so excited. um, And ultimately she realized that she wasn't going to be able to, she did, you know, the 10 years and she said, I'm not going to have an 8% pay raise every single year, which is how much property taxes were going up at the time. Um, And so I, I just saw firsthand how, 
the the gov the real life decisions that government was making was impacting people whether it's sitting in traffic whether it's um, being able to afford a home like I I had that real life perspective and too often I think our our politicians get caught in this bubble of yeah. you know talking about talking about policy or talking about whatever but I, but I saw it on the ground and how it was affecting people's real lives and so that really drove me I mean that's part of what drove me to run for the Austin City Council in the first place which was a crazy decision as a 29-year-old conservative in the very liberal city of Austin. Um, but I was super passionate about it, and and I think that passion really shined through. And I, I, I credit a lot of that to my experience, both both as an intern at the state at the state capitol, but also in my real life as a real estate agent, trying to make ends meet for my family and trying to help cl- clients do the same. Yeah. Like you, you've walked in the shoes and I think it is, it's fascinating when you, like you enter a small business or you're like, okay, I'm going to buy a home and you have all these grand ideas. And then it's this often, I feel like series of discouragement when you do (laughs) learn like, oh my gosh, I can't. It's not that I can't afford to maybe buy the house, but I can't afford the property taxes or at least, and Crystal, I don't know if you've seen this, but in this area, in the Washington, D.C. area, often for young people, the only thing that they can afford is a condo. But then you look at the HOA fees. Oh, yeah. It's like $800 a month yeah. for an HOA fee. And you're like... <laughs> Are you Tap joking? the brakes. What's <laughs> it? This is supposed to be the American dream, right? Homeownership, yeah. condo owner, whatever it may be, right? It's like having your little slice of the pie and really mm-hmm. starting to build, like you mentioned, Ellen, that like generational wealth, right? Yeah, right? Things that you can hold on to that increase in value that you can pass along to your kids. And like right now with interest rates the way they are and down payments and property taxes and all these things are like, uh, it's like so crushing. It's very yes. crushing. HOA, I would say definitely watch out for those HOA fees, oh, you know, which is a whole and other topic. And, and, and be competitive. You know, lenders are competitive with each other. So like get pre-approved, but also check with some other lenders. You can get a better rate. And you know what? They say date the rate, but marry the house. Yes. I think they say, cause uh, like it, rate financing is a real thing. Yeah. So I did that it, before. It, it, <laughs> look at you. You're an God, adult I'm and everything. An <laughs> no. uh, so, you know, even though interest rates are high right now, it still might be the right time to buy and then you can refinance in a couple years hopefully when interest rates are lower yeah Uh, love the practical advice okay well we are going to dive further into your journey into the political space in just a moment we're also going to talk about your book step up but first i want to tell all of our listeners about one of my favorite ways to get the news every single week keep up with what is going on if you're anything like me you probably enjoy researching interesting topics or just being entertained on youtube but sometimes it's really hard to know what information is well researched and actually trustworthy and that is where the daily signal youtube channel comes in we're constantly posting new videos that are designed to keep you up to date on the news that you actually care about and give you data and facts really succinctly. The Daily Signal YouTube channel features policy explainer videos, documentaries, entertaining clips from podcasts just like this one, and so much more. So go ahead and subscribe to the Daily Signal YouTube channel and never miss out on the news that actually matters. All right, Ellen, let's get back to talking about your political journey. So you're working in the field of real estate, trying to make that extra income. You see property taxes are insane. And that's part of what inspires you to get involved and actually run for public office. That's right. I mean, I I truly was I was terrified of public speaking. 
I didn't have money. I uh, <laughs> like if if you made a list of the reasons why I should run for the Austin City Council, it would be pretty blank, and the reasons <laughs> not to run would have been a mile long. And I am so grateful for that nudge from God because I don't I don't know what else I could attribute it to because I I I woke up you know I went to bed thinking. Well, shoot! What are we going to do about this? You yeah. know, I'm. Um, if, if we can't, if we, if we're struggling, what about all the? What about all of our neighbors? What about all of our friends? And I kind of woke up the next morning, and uh, just like a bolt of lightning, you know, if if I'm if I have the ability to step up and do something about it, and I choose not to, then I do not have the right to complain. And I know we say that a lot about voting. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. vote, then you then you can't complain. But I I kind of want to encourage people who are listening to be like, well, what what else can you do? Because uh, it's not just voting, right? There's so much else that goes into yeah. it. And so I was crazy and naive enough, um, young enough to think, okay, well, I can do this. So I went uh, and put my name on the ballot. And um, I, you know, luckily the filing deadline was like the next day. Otherwise, <laughs> I probably would have changed my mind and, and chickened out. Uh, but I, I pushed myself outside the comfort zone. I really felt called to do it. Um, and even though I wasn't that perfect, polished politician, um, even though I didn't have the things that we think all the qualifications, you know, mm-hmm. that especially women think that they need before they get into the uh, political arena, like I did it anyway. I learned as I went and people could tell that I was authentic. Yeah. And that actually ended up what I thought was one of my biggest downfalls actually turned out to be one of my biggest assets because people just saw, oh my gosh, this girl is really trying to do the right thing. You know, she's really passionate. Uh, And even though I was in a very purple district that, by the way, went to went to a Democrat uh, following my term. So I had so many Democrats resonate with Mm. the message of we have to get a handle on responsible spending. Yeah. And if we don't, we are going to lose control of of the city. Um, and it doesn't matter about how bad traffic is or all these other things if we cannot afford to live here. And so I had a lot of, um, I, you know, of course, a lot of Republicans supporting me, but a lot of Democrats who who came over and supported me as well. And I just worked my tail off. I block walk. I mean, I was absolutely the underdog. I block walked every hour, even in 100 degree heat. Um, because I knew that that was like what I needed to do to get it done. Um, and, and luckily I, I, I won, I won. Yeah. I mean, it's like still kind of unbelievable to me, but, um, what a blessing that I was able to, uh, not only run, win, and then follow through on my campaign promises. What a novel idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, Weird. I, you know, I, even even as the only Republican on the Austin City Council for uh, at least half of my term, I was able to pass the city's first homestead exemption, which, you know, required me to get five of my other Democrat colleagues to vote with me. Can but, you, sorry, I know, pin, pin in that because yeah. homestead exemption isn't universal. Can yeah, you no. explain what that is? Yeah. So mm-hmm. basically in Texas, uh, cities have the ability to give yeah, people a, a tax break on the home that they actually live in their okay. on their homestead. So uh, by law, we can go up to 20%. But Austin was the largest city in Texas that did not have a homestead exemption. So oh it was just God. it was a tool in the toolbox that we weren't using. So um, so yeah, over my four years, I, you know, I, I, I pushed to, to get it to get it passed. And I did. And so um, it was just wonderful to kind of see the that and not only was I able to do that, but then I was able to go and testify in front of the state legislature to talk about why we needed property tax reform at the state level. And 
now coming full circle, I'm now a state representative who got to vote on the largest property tax cut in United States history. This past session. (laughs) So, I mean, what a testament to what I I just think sometimes we feel like, oh, well, what what can one person really do? You know, just keep putting one foot in front uh, of the other. That's right. And you too will be a state rep. So it's it's been great, and um, and ultimately now I've been able to hopefully help people not just in Austin but all across the state. Yeah. Well, if you would share a little bit more about just how uh, how the story not has ended, but some of the victories that you've seen along the way as you have advocated for uh, for those uh, lowering of property taxes. You know what happened in Austin, and then moving on. That's so exciting that you are a part of pushing that forward in the House in Texas. That's uh, really, really neat to see the progress. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I also have to mention that I didn't run for re-election. I served four years on the council, and mm-hmm. I didn't run for re-election because I was like, well, I set out. I kind of did my part. Yeah. I, I did what I set out to do, and I'm going to go back to my life. I had, had two kids while I was on council. I was pregnant with a third. Um, I wanted to go back to making some money, you know, in real estate. And I was like, I, you know, I did my part. It's yeah. time for somebody else to step up. So I never set out. And I still, of course, don't like I don't want to be a lifelong. I look at lifelong politician. I look at some of these people in D.C. and I'm like, yeah, you're yeah. 80 years old. Like, Same. go retire. Yeah, go, go enjoy go your, play your, with life. your grandkids. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And so. I'm I like I'm in it to uh, as long as as long as I'm still feeling like I'm making a difference and then when I'm done I'm done and I and I and it was um and and that's what we need because we yeah. need you can't it's not the the conservative movement or the the liberty principles is not about one person you know mm-hmm. other if it's about one person then we're not going to be successful in having a, in maintaining the the hundreds of years of our country, you know, that yeah. and the and the values this that our experiment that we're living in. That's right. Yeah. And so like you have to be willing to bring others up with you and um and pass the baton. But so yeah, I, I uh worked I served as a senior fellow at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Yeah, somehow after my we term. bamboozled you. That's about the time that we met. <laughs> you were like in between leaving That's Austin right. City Council. We bamboozled you to come on board at TBPF. You were working on your book. We were doing the podcast. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, we were I doing remember thank that. you, yeah, Crystal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See and there's like, a whole thing. There's a whole thing in there. Uh, we were we I I after I got off council I was so burnt out and I actually didn't want to talk to anybody about anything. But, <laughs> Fair. But Fair. but after a while I was like you know what I need to be able to tell my story because I want other women to you know especially young conservative women mm-hmm. to know that we need their voice like we need them to get off the sideline we need to get on the, them to get on the playing field and and so I wrote this book about why I was so unqualified and did it anyway and why. You you should too, and how to do it. And in that process, I interviewed leaders across the country, including uh, Kathy McMorris, CMR, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, and so many others. And the, and the TPPF was so gracious in allowing me to record a podcast with these women because I'm like, well, if I'm going to talk to these awesome women, I might as well record it. You Absolutely. know, so another thing that I had no idea how to do. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. Crystal, can you help me? Yeah, um, so I ended up writing this book about uh, shared stories about obstacles that women need to overcome and the confidence gap and like just pushing women to just do it anyway. And and of course, people would always say, well, are you going to? You know, they're trying to get me to run. For for something else and I'm like no no I'm good but and then Kayla my husband's like Ellen you just wrote a book about how you need women more women to step up like you're gonna have to step up at some point and I'm like oh. okay so if, the, if there was a need and there was a need and an opportunity that arose uh during the last redistricting where there was an open seat and so I ended up putting my name on the ballot and uh it was a it was a brutal race but 
in my first legislative session, again, was able to, like I ran on uh, investing in border security, uh, saving women's sports, protecting mm. children, and cutting property taxes. And like as we sit here today, I've w- check on all four of those things. That's you know, awesome. uh, ban gender modification of children in Texas. Uh, ensured that only biological women are competing against other women in sports. Um, largest property tax cut in U.S. history and uh, biggest investment ever in border security. Which, of course, we can only do so much as one little state. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that um, Biden wakes up from his nap and comes down mm-hmm. to Texas and sees the border and uh, uh, and and has our back. But uh, so it's it's just been great to be able to follow through on all those things. And I'm so grateful so, for so many people who've helped me along the way. Yeah. Well, and how novel is it to follow through on the promises <laughs> that you make as a politician? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I wish you were not the exception, but alas. Well, the book is Step Up, How to Advocate Like Woman. We'll put a link in today's show notes so all of our listeners can get a copy and get inspired to step up themselves. But let's talk a little bit about some of the big issues that Texas is facing Talk about school choice. You guys oh. are in a major battle for school choice. You're you're you've seen a need and you've said, "Okay, we need to fill this gap." Yes. And it's interesting because school choice was an issue that I became passionate about um, before I even ever had kids, because working um, previously at the Capitol as a staffer, I, I kind of saw that the teachers unions, even though we, you know, the, t- the unions in Texas, um, it was never about kids. The conversation was never about what was best for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are in a special session now with uh, specifically on school choice. And it is so past time. 31 other states have already passed some sort of parent empowerment program. And I'm hoping hopeful that we can get um, help as many kids as possible. In Texas, 70% of fourth graders cannot read proficiently. Mm. 70%. And that is despite the fact that we're spending, you know, record uh, record money on um, investing in our schools, about $15,000 per child per year. Uh, and so we're just not getting the results. And, w- and when you look at the data from the other states, we see that when parents have the ability to choose the best education for their child, that all students improve, especially children that are in, uh, that are underprivileged kids in in school district, failing school district, failing schools. And so um, I, I'm hoping that this is the next thing that I can check off my list. And uh, what, a, what a blessing it would be to help um, to help thousands and thousands of kids across our state. So I hope that we can get this one across the finish line. Yeah, that is huge. We'll be cheering you on. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so it's so important. It's such a big deal. We've had so many people on this podcast talk about school choice and the fact that, you know, we're at this moment in history where so many parents are watching our school systems go down the drain Honestly, a lot of kids aren't even safe anymore in private schools. I mean, we've seen this very, very woke ideology enter so many aspects of education. And so for families that have the option to choose a school they're more comfortable with, to homeschool, we have to give them that option. The answer is school choice. Yeah, so and I and I, I do just want to say, you know, a lot of times you see, you know, get your kids out of public school. You got to mm-hmm. homeschool your kids, homeschool your kids. That is not realistic mm-hmm. for so many working women. Yep, and you know. I don't like the shaming of like, yeah. if your kids are in public school, you're a bad mom because you're not willing to make the sacrifice to homeschool. It's like, no, we have to save all the children. Yeah, well, <laughs> And that's the you beauty know? of an ESA style program, an that's education right. savings account, right? Is you can opt into the program. It's not mandatory, right? right? Like you are choosing to opt your kid into this program. And then really, I love thinking of it as a menu. Like everything is a la carte. Like if you want your kid to stay in the public school they're at, cool. If you want to choose a different public school, 
awesome, charter school, classical school, private school, homeschool, or some combination of all of the above, like that is now accessible to you through an ESA program. So it's not a mandated thing. It's not forcing kids into a program that parents aren't ready for no. or don't want. And so it's it, it's critical that we remember that these ESA programs, uh, they're, they're not school vouchers. It's a it's a way for you to tailor your child's education to best fit their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I um I was in I, I love talking to Uber drivers every time I'm in an Uber because <laughs> yes. I feel like, you know, you get a different perspective. A um, very real perspective yeah. usually. They're so honest. <laughs> yes. And I was I was in Arizona recently for a conference and um on on the way from the airport to the hotel I was talking to the Uber driver. Um and she was a homeschool mom that moved to Arizona specifically so that she could access a better education and access the education wow. savings yeah. account. And so she was like, oh, it's so great. You know, you you have the money in this account online and then, you you, you know, there's special, uh, there's certain products that you can just add to the cart that are already approved, you oh know, all kinds of educational stuff. And she's like, it's just been such a blessing. And this is a mom who is driving Uber, you know, wow. again, to make ends meet and and moved to a state specifically because she wanted a better future for her children. And she wanted uh, control of how her tax dollars were used. Mm-hmm. It's Sometimes it's so frustrating when you hear it's like, well, it's public funds, you know, going to other things. It's like, no, it's not public funds. It's It came from a taxpayer. Your tax and dollars. <laughs> yes, it's, it's your tax dollars. You should have the right to use them as, as you see fit. Yeah. And just real quick, to bring it back to your career in real estate, People literally choose That's homes right. based off how That's right. good the school system is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. so if you're willing to up and move your life for a good school, imagine what you can do if you could just pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, that simple. And there are a lot of great, I don't want to, you know, there no. are a lot of great yes. public schools. But the thing is, those parents are going to choose to keep their kids in yeah. those great public schools. Yeah. So there's no, you know, that's, it's, it's, uh, competition is always a good thing. Competition mm-hmm. is always a good thing. You're going to get a better product for a better price. And uh, just fingers crossed and lots of prayers that Texas is finally uh, one of the states that joins the freedom movement when it comes to school choice. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> Well, Ellen, I know that you have to go catch a flight, so we're going to let you go. But thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so fun just to hear your story and your passion and to hear the encouragement to step up. Yeah. And a a, a quick plug if people want to follow the rest of my journey, who knows what what I have in store. But uh, so you can find me on all kinds of social media um, at Ellen Troxclair. I think I also have a website, ellentroxclair.com. But um, yeah, would would love to connect with you. Somebody asked me yesterday, who does your social media? It's so good. I'm like, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> That's it's me. impressive. Another hat that you wear. Yeah. <laughs> Social media manager. True well, love guru it. across the board. Love across it. The well, board. thank you, ladies, for everything that you're doing to, to lead the way here in D.C. and hopefully get our federal government on the right track. And uh, I'll certainly be doing my part back in Texas. Well, thank you for that. He was evading police. We were told that he was recruited on TikTok by the cartel. He was on Facebook Live and he was going over 105 miles an hour. He came straight off that exit and he ran that red light and he crashed into her and killed them. He, he mutilated them. What you just heard are the first few seconds of a brand new documentary from The Daily Signal on the real cost of the Biden administration's border crisis. We spoke with Elisa Tambunga, a mother who has experienced unfathomable tragedy and loss 
at the hands of a human smuggler. You can find the full documentary telling Elisa Tambunga's story on the Daily Signal's YouTube page or across our social media platforms. Now, it is that time once again, one of our favorite times of the week here on Problematic Women. It is time to crown our Problematic Women of the Week, and the crown goes to the women of the Israel Defense Force. As it should. (laughs) With a few exceptions, all women in Israel are expected to serve in the Israel Defense Force for a minimum of 24 months after they turn 18. And this is critical. They're eligible to serve in both combat and non-combat roles. Maybe something we should uh, take a look at here in the U.S. (laughs) Uh, Nevertheless, Gal Gadot is one of the more famous women to have served in the IDF. She is from Israel, and she served for two years. Yeah, and of course, for those who might not know, I think everybody knows that name, um, but that is the actress who played Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Pretty phenomenal. Uh, But, I mean, just it's been really neat to, if you're not following the Israel Defense Force on Twitter or follow them, I mean, both be prepared because they're putting up some pretty graphic stuff. But it also just gives you this window and insight into what they are experiencing. And it's honestly encouraging because you see the pride and you see the patriotism coming through. And I watched a video last night that was one of their female soldiers showing you a lot of the areas that had been bombed by Hamas. And just walking through and saying, you know, this used to look like this and, you know, just describing the scene and and what they're experiencing there. I'm just so, so impressed by Israel right now, by Mm -hmm. the way that they are standing up and handling this situation. And it's even more impressive that a lot of those people that are standing up are women. Amen to that. Really powerful. Okay. Well, with that, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. As conservatives, we need your support in the podcast world. And we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. It makes such a huge difference and helps us reach new listeners. But have a great rest of your week. And again, we'll see you right back here Thursday morning. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.